Albion remain on this bumpy road. In fact, they've hit a few potholes on the road to the playoffs in recent weeks, but hopefully Carlos can steer them to a smoother path again soon. We'll discuss all the latest goings-on from the Hawthorns and more on this week's Baggies podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast. And as always, I'm Johnny Dreary and I'm joined by Lewis Cox, our top ENS Baggies correspondent. Coxie, how's things, my friend? You had a good week? Very well, mate. Good to hear you are still always Johnny Drury. Always Johnny Drury. <laughs> always, always chipper indeed, pal. Uh, long one. All right. Long uh, weeks going, isn't it? Weeks going. It bit is. of a weird one. Monday night kind of throws you off kilter a bit, doesn't it? But um, here we are. I know, I'm getting fed up with these uh, these night games, to be honest. We've got another. You, another... I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. Still a bit still a bit tired, still a bit worn from Monday night. While me and uh, me and Joe Chapman were trekking back up the M40, up the motorways at some ungodly hours. I know you've been tucked up nicely in your in your walk for Premier Inn. Hopefully tucking into your lovely full English the next morning. <laughs> I hope it was uh, I hope it was nice. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> on par with the... Um... Uh, on par with the delicious Jalfrezi from the uh, Watford Ooh, press yeah. lounge. Yeah, Albion fans will like to know this. Lovely beef Jalfrezi on uh, on arrival at, at Watford at Vicarage oh. Road. Very good, wasn't Plus it? Plus half-time sandwiches as well. It was Watford was up there this season for uh, ten, hospitality. Tender beef. Anyway, we must not get too distracted, Johnny. I know, I'm pretty know. hungry as well at this point as well. I so wouldn't mind talking food talking. for an hour, but I'm sure <laughs> most fans would prefer the football maybe. They certainly would. We'll talk about Watford. We'll go over some talking points from Monday evening. And there's a there's a load of other stuff away from Monday's result that we'll need to cover. And we've obviously got your questions and we'll look ahead to Middlesbrough, that big clash with uh, Inform um, automatic promotion chase in Middlesbrough now um, on Saturday. But as always, we start the Baggies broadcast with our basically my time to moan, our alternative Albion, our Room 101 equivalent. Now, I've had a bit of a think this morning, Coxie. I couldn't really think of a lot from uh, from Vicarage Road. But if you were as eagle-eyed as me on on uh, on Monday evening, you would have seen this. Now, there was a few Albion fans would have would have seen. I'm sure a lot of them were chanting at the supporter in the Watford end who was thrown out and got a bit uh, argy-bargy with the, the boys in blue. Um, football fans do make me laugh. And fo- uh, football fans in England are very unique. Um, but I noticed... To our left in the uh, where we were sitting in the press box, and a lot of fans do this when there's maybe a goal or an incident between two two sets of supporters or something's happened on the pitch, where you get sort of a an individual fan on his own just making gestures to the the away fans or the opposition fans <laughs> just from about half a mile away, as if anyone in the away end's going to see him. Um, now, obviously, this is a podcast and audio, but Coxie can sort of see me. People giving it the old, you know, the old shuffle from miles away to the away fans, as if it's going to make any difference. It is It is quite funny, but at the same time, it's like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? You're there Johnny, with your family like and you you're giving them stadium, gestures. I feel like if you were in the stadium as a fan, you'd be you'd be giving out all these signs, mate. Well, maybe to the ref more than anything, maybe not to the, mm. the, the opposition fan. It just, it does make me laugh. It maybe you shouldn't go in at the alternative Albion vault, the, the 101, <laughs> but it's I, just, I did, yeah, what I are think you doing? I, noticed, I think I noticed the chat you're on about, actually. Mm. Um, and he, he was so nonchalant. Like there was, yeah. no, there was no anger or rage. He was just giving such a friendly wave. Yeah, uh, away end when Watford. Well, scored. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't quite call it a wave. Well, no, yeah. I, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> Watford kept taking the lead, um, which was irritating the away end, wasn't it? And it was. uh, yeah, 
but I, yeah, I, I agree. It's funny when they're sort of so far away, you know, just hoping. Yeah. To what are you looking to achieve? With wind that? up some unsuspecting away fan. Yeah, yeah, funny. yeah. That goes into the the volley. Got plenty in there. Plenty, plenty fan stuff in there. This. Uh, this season, right? We're gonna we're gonna go to some talking points from Watford. Um, Carlos Corbran had plenty to say after the uh, the defeat, the um, somewhat entertaining for the neutral um, defeat for Albion. Um, my first question, Coxie, is where's the de- where's the defence gone? We had this Albion team with you know even just before uh, Blackburn, we were talking about um, the amount of shutouts at home, clean sheets and at home. It's been brilliant, but away from home, it is it has fallen off a little bit of a cliff lately. Um, just looking at some of the stories from the last couple of days, Carlos Corbran said Albion basically need to go back to basics. Um, yeah. And that's certainly the case because some of the goals, well, from both teams on Monday were were pretty calamitous. How have you seen it? You know, what what's sort of what's happened? Is it is it is it sort of Albion shooting themselves in the foot or is it teams sort of sussing them out a little bit? Uh, maybe more of the former, I think, from from the Albion side. You know, we must qualify it with the, the keeper situation, which has obviously changed and is is not ideal to say the least. That's always a, a big change, isn't it? When you lose the bedrock of of what's been such a such a key boost to key position in, in this run under Corbrand in terms of Alex Palmer. Um and that's nothing on Josh Griffiths, I have to say, you know, two games. I thought I thought at Watford Josh Griffiths did fine, pretty, pretty well, really. Um very unlucky to concede three goals. Um so that's been a factor. It's always going to unsettle things, always going to change things. I just, I just wonder whether it's time for a change in personnel at the back. I do, um, just to freshen things up. Or I, I, when when the head coach did say, you know, sort of back to basics, manage, manage situations and parts of the game better, I, I couldn't agree more, really. I mean, that was specifically on the back of Albion conceding every time Watford, you know, every, every time they scored a goal, the other, you know, equalised twice, fall behind again immediately later. It's the most important time when you score a goal and, to to throw away, you know, being on par like like that is pretty criminal, really. Um, and and unlike West Brom in the in the early quarter and weeks and months, so I think that's what he's getting at there. Just be wiser, be smarter. But uh, I think structurally and functionally, the the Albion backline was so so open and easy to get at the other night, wasn't it? It felt like every time Watford sort of ventured over halfway they would be able to get at the get the 18 yard box you know get something at goal and <laughs> little surprise that three went in to be honest i mean there's you know misfortune in some of them wasn't there but yeah i mentioned at the top of this answer changing personnel and then you think well if bartley's not ready he's out till probably the end of march we think around that international break um with a further setback and that leaves a jay doesn't it and you know, I mean, he hasn't torn up any trees since coming back from injury himself, has he, AJ, in, in cameos we've seen in cup appearances. And yeah. that that would be a big call to, to throw him in, maybe for, for Peters, um, who, as we know, has, has done superbly well, but, you know, would be the one that came out the side to, to freshen it up. I'm not, I'm not sure if <laughs> we need... It would be a massive boost for Albin if they could player Jay and he found some form clicked into some some of that form some of that ability we know he has he had a long time out and whether that's sort of affected his confidence or or anything like that you know we'd have to ask him but it would be a boost if he could come in and you know maybe be given a chance and, and turn in some 
turn in some form. Um, however, I don't, I don't. I'm not saying I, I think Peters deserves to be dropped at all. Um, I don't think he was uh, a major guilty party the other night. I'm just thinking, yeah, perhaps for the good of the side in, in the long term. But yeah, it was a bad night defensively, a really bad night, but not on its own, has it? There's been you know, pretty much traced back till the, the start of January, I think. Maybe that cup tie at Chesterfield when the defence just became leaky. Um, Corbyn made a good point to me the, the other night, I thought, and not for the first time, mentioned set pieces have been a problem. Conceding goals at set pieces. Yeah. thinking, obviously, Blackburn one was, was straight from a free kick, but Blues straight from a free kick and a corner. Um, there have been games before that as well. Can't quite recall off the top of my head. Um, set pieces have been a little problem for a while, and now conceding from open play as well i.e. the other day, um, is, is not a good mix, really. So I imagine there'll be, there'll be plenty sort of defensive drilling and, you know, routine after routine at the Albion training ground this week, just trying to just trying to get some of that natural defensive structure and solidity back in the side because it's gone wondering for a few games, hasn't it? And it's uh, proved damaging. No, it certainly has. I'm just going to interrupt the, our normal script here, a bit of breaking news on, I've just come through to me on BBC Sport, um, that John Watson, legendary um, Match of the Day commentator, has sadly passed away, aged 77. Um, big name in football, um, obviously not massively Albion related, but I know his final game for Match of the Day was actually Crystal Palace against West Brom uh, back in 2018. Albion fans won't remember it too fondly because it was the Albion were down by that point and relegated to the... To the um, to the championship, but very sad news. Commentated on hundreds of games, I imagine, at the Hawthorns over the years and of Albion altogether. And, um, you know, a shining light, really, in, in football broadcasting and, and a voice that we'll all know and, and a name that we'll all know. So, yeah, very, very sad news coming through to us um, this morning about John Motson. Um, anyway, back to uh, back to Albion. Josh Griffiths, second game for Albion um, on... Uh, Monday evening, Lewis um, pulled off some really good saves in the second half. Couple I can remember off the top of my head. He also pulled off a good one in the first half after O'Shea had made a bit of a blunder at the back. But mm. some fans sort of hung the hung the goal, the first goal on on, on his sort of peg. Um, but I thought largely he, he did quite well to be honest. I think he he looks a presence. Fans have said how much yeah. of, a, of a presence Palmer is, but I, when you watch him in isolation, he looks. He looks like a bit of a presence, really, for for Albion. And, and as Corbrand has said, I think there's some quotes in the Express and Star today. He only seems to be sort of growing into his position at the moment. Mm, yeah, yeah. He had a good debut, didn't he, um, against Blackburn? But we we remember the the last minute equaliser from from the visitor, sadly, which obviously slipped through his grasp. And he, you know, the young keeper, I'm sure, would say he could have done better with that. But I thought it was a good response, as you said, Johnny. Some good saves. Um, some vital saves really in the game. I think the one you mentioned with the O'Shea mistake was at one nil. Would have been, would have been two nil in game over, wouldn't it? Let's be fair. That that one v one. There were others in the second half. Some real spectacular saves. I I understand having seen the replays and sort of slowed down. Obviously the game was on Sky. The the, the first goal he's involved in, isn't he? It hits. Was it Furlong? It hit from close range, and. Uh, Griffiths was sort of already on the way down and he'll manage just to push it away while prone uh, and it doesn't get much distance on it and same as able to just lift it into the roof of the net. I, I'm loath to say that was a massive error really. That was all very, 
sort of a lot of bodies, close range, all happen very quickly. I don't, I don't think you can pin too much of the blame on him there. But I obviously involved in it. No, no goalkeeper wants to concede three goals, or do they? But I agreed, I agreed with what what Corbin said really. In that, he had a good game, um, used the ball well in di distribution from what I saw and can remember. Um, and yeah, big big presence. I think vocally as well doesn't seem to be have been a shrinking violet there. He seems to have been used from what I've I've seen, used his voice and and been commanding. So that bodes well for a keeper of a young age. Um, yeah, I I was glad after Blackburn to hear the head coach say that Albion are gonna gonna stick with and give him the chances. And I think that's what we needed to hear. That's what Albion needed um, in this situation with the the button um, ongoings and and with Palmer's injury. It, you know, we all hope it won't be long before Griffiths gets that first clean sheet. Ideally, Saturday. Um, what what yeah. an occasion that would be to do it against yeah. Borough at home. Um, and he can just grow and build into it because, yeah, as as we I think all say and know, Griffiths can go on to be a huge, you know, similar to Alex Palmer really, but perhaps even more so, um, go on to be a huge asset for the club. Um, this is obviously the very very first. The very start, the first steps in his in his sort of journey. He's had obviously big big steps away on loan, um, but the, these are key moments, aren't they? First involvement around the, the squad, obviously first of all in training since last month, and now this experience is is absolutely massive for him, and he's he's comfortably second choice goalkeeper at the club now, isn't he? Really, when you think about yeah. it, with Palmer, um, and and now Griffiths having displaced Button, so you know it's it's. It's positive signs. It'd be it'd be very positive signs if Palmer was fit in the first place. But yeah, Griffiths has showed so far in spells for for most of his first two games that he has what it takes already to step up. Um, we'll just look for that sort of polished all round display that comes with a clean sheet, that comes with a positive Albion result. Hopefully Saturday. Hopefully Saturday indeed. Another topic, uh, Matty Phillips has been missing for a number of weeks now. Probably won't see him for the rest of the season. And I know fans have been saying how big of a big of a miss Phillips has been, which is a, a strange statement given sort of he had a mixed sort of relationship with Albion fans over the years. But do you feel like that, Lewis? Obviously, Mark Albrighton's come in in January as, you know, a temporary replacement really for Phillips on loan. Um, hasn't really hit the ground running. Uh, are Albion really suffering from, from the loss of Phillips given the form he was in? I think so. Um... Johnny, yeah, I think it's another another part of um, the difficult form in recent weeks. Uh, Corbyn did say, might have been the other night, if not slightly um, slightly longer ago, that that Phillips you know, won't won't play again, or isn't expected to play again this season. Which I think is what what we all knew from the initial time frame given. So he was playing well. He, he was playing really well under the head coach. Um, one of, if not the more consistent players under Corbyn. Um, his game just fitted perfectly to what the head coach wanted, I think, both going forward, going backwards, um, the way he carries himself, the way he trains. So, so yeah, and I remember when Albrighton was brought in, Corbrand sort of said, this is that's a really close model to what Phillips' game is like. And it's been a it's been a slow start for Albrighton, hasn't it? He had a good debut, but it's been it's been slow since then. And yeah, it's it's changed up the front line as we know. And I know that has led to change in positions. Obviously, we've seen Wallace central. We've seen Swift moved out wide to the left, which has um, been strange. And I know some fans, you know, are not big fans of it. Um, I can understand why 
given given the season Wallace has had. Corbrand spoke about it the other the other day actually, and no doubt that's been read. But um, he, he gave his reasons as as to why Wallace was playing there, why Swift is playing there. I, uh, and I take some of those reasons, no no doubt at all. Um, but yeah, for, going back to your point, Johnny Phillips's absence has been felt massively. I think is another another part of it. Um, it's strange, isn't it? Because he, he he probably didn't need to come on against Chesterfield at home, did he? Well, he, he didn't need to come on. Albion were obviously winning and through, but yeah, at, the, at the time, the head coach had to make a change and Phillips was the one that came on and, and Corbrand's rightly said that injury, if it doesn't happen that night, you know, happens in training the next day or happens whenever he was obviously close to it and it and it it popped, um, unfortunately. So, yeah, I understand the arguments that, yeah, that was a massive mistake and he, he shouldn't have been put on. I understand that totally, you know, um, zero the risk by not putting him on in the first place. But, you know, the head coach would, would argue that, well, the injury was probably happening anyway. Um, and he's not been a stranger to injuries at, at the Hawthorns, has he, in his, uh, what is it, seven, eight years at the club now? Um, he's he's had a few. Um, but it's just a big shame because he's been in good form, hasn't he? And he was, he was no doubt an integral part of the site. Yeah, we've talked about the defenders. Um, I want to talk about the forward line for Albion because one thing um, Albion mentioned or ha- we've had mentioned is Albion's sort of lack of goals from the forward line this season. Now, Albion have scored, um, I'm just trying to add things up on the spot here, but th- th- in all competitions, this is, you know, when we look at strikers, Brandon Thomas Sante, seven. Um, and then you've got to go Jed Wallace, five. Callum Grant, five, who's, who's hardly played really in recent weeks. John Swift, four. Grady Dingana, four. Daryl Dyke. Uh, sorry, Dal DK, apologise, uh, three. Okay, Cushley, three. And then you're into the twos and the ones, Malumbi, Rogic, Phillips, Livermore. Livermore, two, um, which is quite surprising. Um, but it's it's one of those, it's difficult. It, Albion's situation at the moment, when they're leaking goals away from home at the back, it's difficult when you've got the fact that they're not scoring goals really up front. Albion are sco- have been scoring goals. They're no, by no means down the bottom this season, but they've come from all over, which is great, but when you, you need your strikers firing, if you're going to be in the playoffs and you're going to be at the top of the league, you need them firing. <laughs> yeah, It's a case of not quite dropping at the moment. Dal DK has come off the bench in the last couple of games, hasn't really had a chance. Um, Brandon Thomas Asante has had a c- couple of chances, certainly on Monday, had a really good chance in the first half. Do you think that'll be a concern for for Corbrand? Um I, I remember speaking about, about this last time, Johnny, and the point about being a side that don't have a runaway goal scorer, clearly. Um, did I did I share something with you the other night that um, when you go down the championship goal scoring charts, I think Albion's first player like is like fifty eighth or something. Fifty eighth, yeah. yeah, yeah. But look, it's, it's nothing new. We know this. Um, having to spread the goals around, they, they don't have. Was it Thomas Asante seven? Did you say was that all, all comps? He possibly all comps, seven? yeah. Um, DK three. Look, we might get to a situation. I'm, hopefully, I'm wrong. Um, but we might get to a situation where we get to the end of the season and Thomas Santo hasn't, you know, got double figures and Albion player doesn't have double figures. Um, I'm sure he will. You know, we're, we're not even out of February yet. Oh, there's a lot of football left. Um, what is it, 13, 14, 15 champ games left, something like that. So you know, almost certainly we'll get to 10, but this is all competitions as well, by the way. Um, yeah, we, we do need, and yeah, it's nothing new. We know not a side with a runaway goal scorer, a, a regular even frontline goal scorer, but they do need to get back in the goals clearly. Um, 
do you need in that, in that period either side of Christmas or before Christmas? Both DK and Thomas Santo were sort of sporadically popping up with goals. One was starting, one was coming from the bench. Um, I thought I thought Thomas Santo was was lively the other night. I did, and, I, and I'm a fan of his generally. And I was glad to see him get on the end of chances. He, he had chances. He had sent that header wide first half, didn't he? Wide of the top top angle. The second half one got something decent on a cross that was saved from the bottom corner. Seemed to recall. Um, and, and the way he plays, he's, he's a pest and a nuisance, isn't he? He's busy and he's the type of player you just want one to go in for because it, it feels like he, he could be a striker that could get on a bit of a roll when he's when he's had one go in, as, as we've seen already this season. Um, DK situation, we've mentioned him in a, in a few recent podcasts, haven't we, when Corbrand said needs to play weekend to weekend games to to build up that fitness to stay to stay fit um interestingly we've got a few midweekers coming up haven't we not not next week because that's Hull away on the friday night but we've got the the wigan home isn't there there's the cardiff away both midweeks um so i think due to that we'll see in coming weeks that sort of rotation one in one out policy return um it will however be interesting to see who starts um, the game at the Hawthorns on Saturday against Middlesbrough because that's two in a row. Thomas Sante started now. Did he start against yeah. Blackburn? Yeah. yeah um, and I think he, I think he warranted to stay in at, at Watford. And, and I wouldn't say he had a poor game down at Vicarage Road. Like I say, I think he was busy and involved. Um, but whether, whether Corbyn will just look to, to freshen it up with DK on Saturday remains to be seen. I can see an argument in that um it, it, like, it's a concern that the numbers are on we know dk spent most of the season out and he's on his way back we know uh, in parts since he's got back he's he's been more than useful you're getting on the end of crosses the goals he scored it, clearly that way inclined a striker that wants to attack a ball into the box but we've also seen him look um maybe like he's not up to, to full speed full fitness again sort of understandable but um so games where it's been quieter for him he's had less to feed off uh, um different different type of strike altogether to thomas sante isn't isn't it we spoke of playing both up top didn't we last last time and i know many would like to see that i'd like to see that but i think it was put to corbrand last last press conference wasn't it on, on saturday morning i wasn't able to make that press conference but i i, I gather he, he spoke about well it's, they're not formations we play, which again is what what we said, isn't it? It'd be great to see, and I'm sure we will see it late on in games. We have seen it late on in games when they've been together, but don't expect Albion to go two up two up front from the off anytime soon. Obviously, got a, a clear couple of systems to play with Corbran, and it hasn't really happened. We've seen Wallace just offer a striker, haven't we? Centrally, and um, and yeah, supporters believe in in some think that it wastes Wallace's uh, best skill set, best ability out wide. I, I, I agree and disagree. I mean, I, I can I can understand why what Corbyn has said and why he plays there in the middle in terms of his, his speed and movement on, on a counter-attack. Um, but I've said before, I'd like to see Wallace back out on the right flank. I, I would. He's been excellent. Yes, Corbyn said that's all, all Brighton's um, best role, but will we see Brighton come out the side this weekend uh, there's, a, there's a possibility of that isn't mm. there after he was hooked the other night at half time so uh, some interesting it'll be, it'll be some interesting team news at two o'clock on Saturday actually Johnny and um, up front in, in those positions just behind the just behind the, the centre forward and 
midfield as well. I mean, surely Jason Malumbi's pushed himself back into the starting reckoning um, after Chalaber again was took off at, at half-time the other night. Malumbi's had an interesting couple of substitute appearances, hasn't he, at both ends of the pitch. Um, yeah, and, and then we've got the, the back line situation we were talking about at the top of the show, which there could be an argument of a change of personnel just because of the goals I've been, I've been conceding. So, so we'll see. But certainly you would say a few calls to make for the head coach. Yeah, certainly a few calls indeed. Just finally on, on Monday and the and the sort of ramifications, repercussions of it. Um, Albion are now five points off the playoffs given the um, the midweek results. Uh, but now no one's got games in hand on Albion. Albion have got a game in hand on a couple of teams above. I think Watford and Sunderland, the two of them. Um, it's still much, very much to play for, isn't it? It's so tight. It's so tight in there. Yes, Albion would still like to be in the mix. I think Albion have only collectively sat in the playoffs in recent months for for a matter of days or or a, or a game or two um mm. but it's a, there's a little run now isn't there where if Albion can attack it you know you look at the three games after after Borough I think it's Wigan uh, I think I, I might might be wrong in thinking Huddersfield might be one of them but teams down the bottom if Albion can go and take nine ten points from the next four games then that's that's really what they need, isn't it? To just put them back in the mix. You know, you'd take a point on Saturday. I, I certainly would take a point on Saturday anyway, um, yeah. even despite losing at Watford. Yeah, just look, just checking those those fixtures, Johnny. As we say, after Borough, it's the whole game. And But you're right, you know, you're looking at Hull, Wigan, Huddersfield, as you mentioned, then Cardiff. So that's, that's four, isn't it, really? Um, not all exactly down there. I mean, Hull and, Hull and mid-table, but have struggled at times this season. But that's a run of four games. At Bramall Lane on a on on a Saturday later in March, but as you rightly say, post Borough, four fixtures really where Albion need to get motoring. I mean, I take your point there about <laughs> taking a point, pardon the pun, um, on on Saturday against Borough. I mean, Borough are absolutely flying, aren't they? Under Carrick, it's it's quite remarkable, really, and rightly pushing for the top two now. Um, so you. Yeah, they're, they're, they're absolutely flying, aren't they? I've been at home at Hawthorne, Hawthorne's where they've been almost perfect under Corbyn. So there's no reason why they can't go into that thinking that we can win this game again. But a point isn't terrible in the context of who they're playing, but certainly right in the four games after that need to be, and especially if they don't beat Middlesbrough on Saturday, need to be racking up nine, ten points from, from those really. If they harbour the, the top six ambitions, which they obviously do, um, I think that kind of return nine ten points from the from the twelve available in that run will be will be crucial and will be needed really. If Albion are struggling with much less than than that, then it could be a could be a tall order between sort of March and the end of the season. So it's an important spell coming up, actually really important and important to start it right Saturday, Touchwood and uh, and back that up up in uh, Humberside for next Friday night, which is one we're all looking forward to, isn't it? A Friday night trip up to Hull. Yeah, um, buzzing for that. Buzzing. <laughs> um, you can't, it's, it's I can't really, contain my excitement for going it's to a, Hull. It's a really Friday important night. period. Um, yeah, Chef, Chef United away is not going to be easy at all, is it? But I, we were speaking with colleagues, weren't we, Johnny, in uh, pre-game at Watford the other night and sort of told that on paper, when you look at run-ins of, of, of all the teams in the league, Albion's apparently, according to the, to the games, generally is kind they do have a on paper kind of kind of fixture running in terms of games at home, in terms of who they're playing at home, in terms of having to play lower teams, struggling teams. So, but it doesn't work like that, does it? Like the, the struggling teams are scrapping 
every inch to stay in the division. So that doesn't automatically make them easy um, come the business end of the season. But but yeah, the Middlesbrough, I mean, listen, you don't want a, we would have called them a playoff rival, wouldn't they? But they're, they're almost dead certs to finish in the top six now, aren't they, Borough? If not, if not higher. So um, wouldn't want a rival at the top end of the, towards the top end of the table coming to your, to your patch and, and inflicting the defeat. Well, they haven't, Albin haven't lost at home since Sheffield United, have they? Corbyn's first, no. Corbyn's first game. So we want to continue that run because that Hawthorne's form is going to be absolutely invaluable in, in getting this top six. Um, but that run of the next four um, could go a long way, really, to deciding Albion's fate, you'd say. No, you're right in, uh, indeed. Right, we're going to touch on a bit of news. Just slightly off the field at the moment. Um, it's all been a little bit quiet, given all the noise off the pitch in uh, in recent months and, uh, and across this season. Um, just want to provide, well, it's not even an update, really, but in terms of the uh, the Gouch and Lie £5 million loan that was due to be paid back last year, due to be paid back at the end of... Um, 2022. Um, obviously, we had the notice um, late last year that it wasn't going to be repaid. It would be repaid um, early in the new year. Um, Lewis, I think the situation, just, just to clarify really for Albion fans, the situation is if there is no news, there is no news, essentially. It's not a case of it'll be paid back and go under the radar. If it's paid, when it's paid back, there'll be confirmation from the club. Is that how you yeah, sort of, we understand it? Yeah, that's correct, Johnny. Yeah, as as we said that before, that's that's a state of play, um, which is nice to know in a way because you know nobody will be left in the dark. You know, supporters first and foremost when when things eventually, if and when things eventually happen, that's what everyone wants. Um, so to have that clarity will be welcomed and appreciated. But as you say, no no news is is no news. Um, no news means no repayment yet and what are we heading into the last week of february um so are we are we in the new year still no, let's be honest no, no. Um, <laughs> in my opinion but then well, you've got march in your site so i don't think you're still in the new year vague. Um, but then that can be interpreted by everyone differently can it but um, to me i'm like i'm just a stone's throw from summer i call it now don't throw from the golf season. <laughs> the new year ended on about January the seventh, I think, for me. About a week, and we were, uh, yeah. But no, um, look, it's not. It's 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 far from great, far from ideal. Um, but then, if you were to ask me, is anyone surprised? I would, uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say many, many words. So, um, look forward to. Um, hopefully soon having the chance to um, to catch up with Albion's chief executive Ron Gourlay. That'll be that'll be good. I I know. Well, I hope we'll have the opportunity to do that again soon, and that'll be good. But let, listen, as as we spoke last time, we had the chance to do that. As as Ron said to to ourselves, I know he's been talking to Action for Albion uh, again recently, as he and as we said on as we wrote and said on the podcast, this this isn't the decision of of people like the chief exec or. Or others. Um, unfortunately, this is out of almost everyone's hands, um, and a, a call for sort of one person or, or maybe one or two. And what what can you do when your hands are tied? Um, I know I know many Albion fans feel feel helpless in the situation, and, and that's understandable, isn't it? Because you know when it's uh, one one person or one company, or you know having to repay a figure. Um, there's not much many others can do about it. No, no, you're right. 
just on that, you mentioned the action for Albin and sit-down Ron Gourlay. They had a second sit-down with the um, Albin chief executive recently. Uh, we've seen sight of the, the minutes from that meeting, uh, which seems to be very positive. A relationship has been struck up there. Um, Albin are appreciating, you know, the, the work that Action for Albion are doing. Um, but one of the, the few key points to come out of it, I think Action for Albion have asked for uh, to speak with sort of Ken Zuki, who's one of the directors of one of the, the Albion companies, um, former chief executive, and also the possibility of of correspondence with Gouch and Lai, which which Gourlay has said he will put to Lai. Um, I know they're in regular contact. Um, that'd be something, wouldn't it, Lewis? <laughs> Having uh, Gouch yeah. and Lai coming out and explaining himself. Um, that would be uh, very helpful. Um, that that would be great. I think every supporter would appreciate that. Maybe dependent on what's said, but um, yeah, it would be interesting if it happened. I, I don't. I don't think I can. Um, I don't think I can see it if you're asking for me for my um, my no. opinion on it. Uh, I'll be surprised. You don't surprised. ask, you don't get. I suppose. Uh, yeah. No. Of course. Uh, absolutely. That and and good for them for um, for asking the question and, and good for Ron Gourlay. Yeah, to take it to the top, absolutely. Um, if if it if it came off and if it's true and if it happens, then it, it would be remarkable because there are some some big old issues over the last you know many months and years to to clarify and ask about, aren't there? Um, yeah. So great work from Action for Albion and, and good to hear they're continuing to have that open dialogue with the club. That's important. And the minutes were released, weren't they? So as I say, we're hopeful to have our, our chance again soon. We were told last time we spoke to the chief exec that there would be opportunities, which is what what we want to hear, what supporters want to hear. Um, so good, good, good to have that open dialogue. But it, it, it's, uh, your first point on the on the repayment is is still disappointing to say the least. Yeah. No, disappointed indeed. Um, another bit of of off field news: Albion fans would have seen this morning. Um, fans, of course, know that Albion have taken out a, a twenty million pound loan from MSD Holdings. Um, there was a, a few sort of screenshots and paperwork put on social media this morning by a few sort of financial football commentators um, regarding this, um, about what has been signed off. Basically, Lewis, from what we gather, this is just confirmation of what we already knew, essentially. This is like the, the end of the, pro- well, not the end of the process, but part of the process. You know, certain documents have been signed now. And, and I think I, from reading through the documents myself this morning, I know the loan's been taken against a number of assets. There's no new assets on there from what we can see. Um, it's very much just a sort of tick boxing exercise confirmation-wide. That's right, Johnny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, check that out. And and that's the case. It relates back to the um, the MSD loan, which was sort of taken and confirmed. Was it just before New Year or was it just into January? Oh, yeah, before. sometime around um, then, yeah. Yes, the, the, the 20, minute, 20 million sorry, loan from the uh, US equity fund. Um, and as I say, this is just, paperwork relating to um and and filed filed after the event so no no fresh news with that it's just sort of um as we say paperwork that that relates to it and yeah no nothing fresh to to report on that front um eyes sort of dotted and t's crossed on on that front and and thankfully um thankfully nothing to be further concerned of Though obviously the, the the whole scenario is um, unfavourable, I think I think is is a way to put it. When you from a from a fan's perspective, from a, from a club's perspective, we spoke at length at the time, didn't we? About um, you know, nobody connected with the football club. Um, we certainly cares about the club. Want would want 
to have to resort to this, to have to resort to taking these kind of loans out to to protect themselves as a layer of protection when it comes to bills and overheads and, and things like that. But um, yeah, Albin are where they are, unfortunately, aren't they? And um, such a move was required with with the situation they're in, as we know, with parachutes drying up and um, well, promotion on the line, as 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 we've been speaking about with the football side of it. But uh, yeah, no. I'm sure everyone saw that uh, that company's house filing this morning. Um, details of the charge um, that related to that that 20 million pound loan loan and um, and some of the the, the freehold uh, properties and um, it, it was covering that paperwork. So yeah, just just confirmation of, of filing paperwork and, and nothing fresh there. Apologies if you can hear some clanging and banging on the table um, that I am currently recording on. My dog is jumping up. He wants to get involved in the conversation, I think. I think he's got a few points of view on the, on the old off-field issues. Um, the Baggies broadcast mascot, we'll call him, as, uh, as some Albion fans would have seen this morning with a <laughs> picture posted on social media. Um, next, just a little brief one. Uh, well done to Albion ladies into the uh, the Birmingham Senior Cup semi-final, thanks to a 1-0 win over Lye Town. Um, and I understand Wolves are still in the competition, so potentially a big black country derby there in the uh, the last uh, the last four or even the final um so well done to the well done to albion ladies um congratulations uh lewis just on this point of view i uh, just want to finish off really on um some comments from Corbran on, on jake livermore last week now jake livermore forgotten man almost um at albion we haven't seen him last time in a match day squad against burnley last time in a league starting lineup against sheffield united which was Corbran's first game um has played in the in the cups um chesterfield and bristol city uh but some very good comments from Corbran. Uh, now Albion, you know Livermore's a, not. I'm not going to say divisive figure, but Albion fans have got opinions on him. Um, seems that he's having a, an impact away from the field, behind the scenes. I think Corbrand said he'd accepted his situation and wants to help Albion as as much as he can, and he's sort of leading by example, really, on the training field. And and that must, as a manager, that must be. We hear all the time you get sort of bad eggs in dressing rooms and people who are difficult to deal with, certainly when they're not playing, all footballers want to play, don't they? But it must be so refreshing and so helpful to have a player of Livermore's experience sort of pulling in the same direction as those who were playing, really, and and and, and trying to really drive Albion forward despite his, his lack of minutes on the grass. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely that. Yeah. Um, couldn't agree more. Just quickly, Johnny, I, I double checked because I thought I thought I'd seen it. Um Albion women's side and Wolves have drawn each other in that county. Oh, there we go. Semi final. Yeah, hey, I thought I'd seen that derby. a day or two ago. So, yeah, just checked and yeah, uh, County Cup semi final. Um, not sure on a date on that. I'd have to look that up. But um, when I've seen it, we'll certainly confirm. Yeah, head coach was asked about Jake Livermore uh, at, at the previous press conference. As I mentioned, I was I was unable to make that one, but it, it was a, it, it tallies with everything sort of seen and heard about the club captain to be honest I, I wasn't the least bit surprised about what the Spaniard had to say really um yes yeah, sums up really why he's had the glorious career he's had Livermore and I'm, I have to say I'm a, I'm a little bit surprised he was named in Corbrand's first side wasn't he as you said there Johnny Sheffield United um I didn't think then and there that we wouldn't see him again yeah in league action or anything like that I know we've had a transfer window since and and so on. Um, but I I thought and, and plenty might disagree here, but there were there were times before that when Livermore was playing the odd Saturday to Saturday. And I, I thought he'd 
added energy in his game. I thought there were a couple of performances, perhaps it was under Richard Beale, can't quite remember which games they were, where he he was everywhere. And I remember remarking on how well he played and and others saying to me, yeah, this you know, is a, a little bit like Jake at his best, you know, albeit a few years older, obviously. And, you, you know, because of age, less less mobile, you'd say. But, yeah, everywhere and seemed to be setting a good example. So when I've been lost that first game, I didn't automatically think, right, that's that's Livermore done. You know, I thought we'd see him on the bench more, see him start the odd game when required. But um, as you said, that so low down the pecking order now. And we've, I mean, Gardner Hickman is another one, isn't he? Uh, rock, you know, really low in that pecking order, struggling to to get get through, struggling to even get on the bench, which which I know I know plenty of people would, would want to see him on the bench and involved, wouldn't they? But no, no surprise going back to Livermore and, and the quality of individually is you know away from the pitch, how he's such a leader, how he sets the right tone and tempo in everything. Um, is say it's a manager's a head coach's dream, isn't it? Exactly what you want. It could be the other way. It could be someone kicking up a stink or a fuss. Thankfully, it's not. Um, and, and and he's still playing an important role from, from the sidelines, which Corbyn's told us a couple of times. Um, however, look, so, so much rests on, on Albion. I say turning it round on the pitch, but just getting out of this little mini bump in the road, as you put it at the top of the pod, and getting back closer to those top six positions. Because... Now, the gap extending for, to, to five points. Nobody wants to see it extend any wider than that, do they? Albion put themselves in such a great position. And um, and now they're challenged, the, the challenge to those players who are playing regularly, um, obviously Livermore not in that bracket anymore, is to is to rediscover the, the form and momentum performance levels collectively, attacking defensively, um, that can get them back, back in shape because... You know they, they can't let the gap be widened any more than five points. They just can't. Yeah, that, that's that's a two-result swing, isn't it? You mentioned the, the games in hand thing, evening out now, but that's a two two-game swing. Don't want it to be entering sort of three-game swings no. and beyond. Um, can't afford that. But got an important run of games as, as we touched on, haven't we? Coming up. Certainly have indeed. Right, time for an advert. As always, this Baggies Broadcast podcast is brought to you in association with the Kettle and Toastman, where you can go for all your sort of household kitchen appliance needs. That If you want it, they've got it. This week, we're going to be talking about cordless vacuum. you got cordless vacuum, Coxie. Um, no, Johnny, I'm of the old school, unfortunately. Old school. We're, we're old very school. much still wired. Still wide up. I, I, do you know what? We've moved into this house and we still haven't got. We have got a vacuum cleaner, but it doesn't really work very well. Um, so this is why I picked this out this morning. You can get a Beldre um, Air Agility Max Cordless Vacuum in rose gold. Now who doesn't want that for just sixty-five pound? And that's one of a host of cordless vacuums and the other products that they've got available down at the Kettle and Toaster Man. If you want to go in the store, have a look at the products, get them in your hand, have a feel for them, you can go to Thorns Road in Briley Hill, or if you want to have a search of all the products online through the click of your fingers, head to kettleandtoasterman.co.uk. Right, time for the questions from you lovely Baggies Broadcast supporters. Um, we've got quite a few, few interesting ones today, so we're going to put Coxie on the spot with your... Uh, your burning questions of the week. And the first one comes from Sunil Patel. Sunil Patel was on our fan chat show um, a couple of weeks ago, the first uh, the first one. We've got the next one recording this evening, actually. Um, but Sunil's asked, do you think Corbrand's substitutions at halftime against Watford were an admission that he chose the wrong start in 11? Um, and do we expect to see a return to the 11 
that had that great run when he first arrived. Swift at 10, Wallace wide, um, and Malumbi back in for Chalaba. So, I, first one there. Do you think it was an admission that he got it wrong, Lewis? Yeah, I don't, I, I, perhaps. You could say that. I don't know about an admission he got wrong, but clearly uh, an admission that the first half wasn't working, what, he, what he'd set out, what he'd asked from his side wasn't working. So, to see it rectified at half-time, which is very rare from Corbrand, doesn't generally happen, does it? First time he's done that in the league with Albion. Um, it was quite telling, I thought. A double change, very much. You know, and, it, and it's not that those two that came off, Albrighton and Chalaba, were were miles poorer than other teammates and the ones that deservedly had to be hooked. But when you look at Albion trying to rediscover what they had, getting the getting the eleven on the field that were were involved in that, it's it's a bit of a no brainer, isn't it? And and we understand, as Corbrand spoke on this week, that Albrighton and Chalaba are. You know, unfortunately, as with January signings and, and those that don't play too much football before arriving, need time to get up to speed and, and bed in, don't they? And, and find the fluency in, an, in a new side with new teammates. It's just the way it goes. Um, not always, but but most of the time. Um, so I mission he got it wrong, perhaps, but I, again, and I, I'd have liked to have seen Malumbi in the side, but then I thought Chalibur had a good debut against Blackburn. So when he passed fit for Watford, his former club, I, I was quite you know, quite pleased because I thought he could have a big impact on the game. But Malumbi deserves to be playing. He's been <laughs> electric when he's come on, but uh, unfortunately had a couple of moments at both ends in, in the games he's come on him. Um, Dean Garner less so, although I thought coming on against Blackburn at the Hawthorns, he was good. Um, I, I would like to see those two in from the off. I think it's time to, to revert to that. And I, I see it as a not an entirely positive that the, the head coach can want to look to change it at half time and, and make a double change because in an ideal world if you're being fully positive you you get it right from the off and you don't have to but I think it's good to that he doesn't hang around that we're not waiting until after the hour marker he regularly makes changes 10 minutes into the second half doesn't he Corbran um, even when things are going well but to see him react at half time I, I was quite encouraged by um, yeah the the amount of time not wasted by when things aren't going right by just sort of hanging on and umming and ahhing about which change to make. And then you, before you know it, you, you're at 70th minute. He, he, he got it changed at half time and it, it really did change the game, didn't it? Didn't change the result in Albion's favour, unfortunately, but very much improved Albion. And hopefully that can be taken forward. Yeah, hopefully. Um, another question. I really hope that Albright and Chalibur are not being played through instruction to do so. As it's plain to see, they are currently being shoehorned into the team. Uh, it's plain to see that the first eleven picks itself. Thoughts? That's from Carl Burke, another one of our fan show guests. Uh, cheers for your question, Carl. Um, Chalibur's not just, alone, is he? So I no, Chalibur's not alone. So there'll be no instructions there. Yeah. I can't imagine at this level you, what what you find. Lewis will speak of this as well in terms of um, lower, lower league. league and a non-league. Really, you know, if a, a professional club loans a youngster to a non-league club sometimes there is direction from the club to say, look, you play this guy every game or he comes back. Um, whether it happens in the Football League lower down, I don't know. But I can't imagine that being the case at Championship level, Coxie, can you? I wouldn't say so, Johnny, to be honest. I, I, I wouldn't say so. I, I can't see that. I, I don't know that for definite regards this loan, but I'd be surprised. Is you know, I'd, I'd be really surprised. I mean, when I've been getting a capture of the profile of Albrighton, who's had a, a great number of years in the Premier League, like you, you want him to come in and make an impact, don't you? And 
he had a good debut and you want to you want to give him time in the side to build up to as we were just talking about bed in and get on terms with his teammates and you want to give that every chance uh but he's had a couple of quiet performances all brighton um that's not a that's not a whole dig at him the team's clearly um just come down a couple of gears not not quite clicking for for reasons we spoke about and um and yeah so it I can see I can see it both ways, but I, I understand why supporters want to see players involved that were part of such a great run. Um, and to be honest, it, it it could well benefit Albin, couldn't it? To have an all bright and fresh thirty minutes from the end, I think could be a, a great asset. Um, uh, ditto Chalaba. He has a lot to offer Chalaba. I think we saw in that that Blackburn home game a lot of sort of strings to his bow as a midfielder, but a different player to Malumbi, just as. Yeah, Dean Garner and O'Brien are different, just as Wallace and O'Brien are different. But I think, I think we spoke about before, haven't we, with Swift? I think he's a sort of integral component to this side and seeing him perform well as that attacking midfielder number 10. It generally gets Albion playing, I think. And and O'Brien on the right, sorry, Wallace on the right. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could see O'Brien, you know, play from the left with, with Wallace. Uh, I think, not sure how many times that's happened yet with Swift Central, but... That would be good to see. But um, yeah, I, I can't see, going back to your point, Johnny, I, I can't see it at this level. I can't see Leicester um, having orders about, or Brighton has to have this many starts, or should be playing, you know, every four and five games or something like that. Uh, yeah, Albion will pay a hefty um, portion of the wages in, in that kind of loan, or you know, whether there's a loan yeah. or two, I'm not sure. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't be expected that they'd have to, Sort of bow to Leicester pressure, you know. If all Brighton's not playing well, or the side are on a bad run, it 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 won't be. I'd, I'd be very surprised if it would be that no, he has to stay in the team because of T's and C's, you know. Yeah, yeah, I can't imagine that myself either. Another question from Matthew. And, and I, and I, sorry, John. And obviously, Chalaba signed an eighteen-month deal, so yeah, he's a, so he's an Albion player. And, yeah, uh, Matthew Botfield with the next question: Do you think we can still finish in the playoffs to get? To 75 points, uh, normally the minimum to finish in the top six, we will need to average 2.14 points per game for, from the last 14 games, i.e. we need 10 wins from the last 14. Well, we said that Albion can get in the playoffs. Um, 10 from 14. Um, Corbrand got, what, 9 from 10 earlier in his, his spell? No reason why Albion can't go and do that again, I don't think. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, when you break that down into that, what was it, 2.1 per game? Yeah. Um, it, it, it sounds like a tall order, doesn't it, worryingly? But you're right, Johnny. There's no reason why Albion can't and won't go on one of those runs. We've seen what Corbin can do with a team on the floor. You're low, low on confidence, belief, momentum. So let's let's have it right. Albion aren't, um, yeah, they aren't getting beat every week. They aren't. It's not a run of three, four, five defeats. Yes, it is on the road. That needs to be addressed, doesn't it, away form? Yeah, something's not quite working away, but they need to make use of their home form. Make no mistake about that. And the home games won't come any harder now than Borough at home, will they? That's the that's the one. I mean, it, it would be a massive boost if they could start this running as we're speaking now by beating a side like Borough at home and making use of their home form. But we talk about games away. We talk about Hull away, and where else is it in this run? Cardiff away. Really need to address the the away form for those. Can't be can't be leaving those places empty-handed, or or that top six push won't happen. I would still back Albin as being 
good enough and strong enough too. I think I think the Phillips blow and and the, I've seen people say the Phillips blow and the goalkeeper blow will have a bit big bearing on Albion just failing to get over the line. And I understand the arguments because yeah, you can see how it's been since there. Since their injury absentees, but yeah. I still I still think there's enough in the, the first eleven, but certainly the squad to to turn it around. Just need sort of momentum and full confidence back on their side, full you know ability and belief in the back line and the goalkeeper behind them back on their side, and and um, and they can still make it. No doubt about that. But as you say, that five point gap just can't be allowed to get much bigger, can it? Uh, thanks for your question. Uh, we're going to read out a couple more um, before we finish. Is there a reason the strikers either hang around the edge of the 18-yard box or attack the front post, meaning they are trying to head behind them? Um, why don't they attack from the back slash middle of the six-yard box? We saw Malcolm do it in the cup and score. Um, so why not BTA and DK? Um, can't really add to that. We've seen DK score a couple of really flying headers, haven't we, so far? Uh, Sunderland springs to mind. He did one in the summer against Hertha Berlin, and I think there was another goal at the Hawthorns. Reading, um, yeah, the Reading winner. Reading, yeah, the Reading um, winner. Um, I think yeah, interesting, that's, isn't it? Is that, I always, that, I always on, find just on this one in terms of this is interesting. And I remember speaking to a coach at semi-professional level who, who was coaching at professional level as well at the time. Um, what infuriates me, and this this will be an alternative I'll be by the end of the season: players who can't beat the first man from a corner. Oh, it infuriates me. But and he told me that some teams, based on statistics, try and put the ball in this little box at the front post where you can get that flick yeah, on, yeah. where you yeah. can get success. But intended, it's like one. I always find it's like one in ten. Like it's real. Why not? You know, shovel it in that six-yard box, chuck men in there. I get your point, Elliot. It's a really good point. I can't really answer it personally, but um, you know, it makes me laugh. Coaches it know makes, more than us, but. It, it makes me laugh corners not beating the first man because <laughs> funnily it will never it will never change an end no you know you know it will it will never change an end because either players just take a poor delivery yeah. or as you say they try and hit that front they try and hit that front post area and you do, you do see if they get it right lots of flick ons that lead to goals from that department but you do see many 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 cleared by the first man and uh, and fans just groan and and hate it and it's it's it happens right at the top i was watching champions league knockout football this week johnny and it happened time and, and again and you know that that's the top level isn't it so it's it, it's it happens it's always going to happen it happens further down the pyramid it happens in non league um it annoys everyone, but it, it will always be there. Um, here's a good question. I, th- I don't know if the question was born out of... I mentioned Thomas Asante's two chances at Watford earlier. And I can remember the header and, and the effort towards the bottom corner I mentioned were both sort of getting on to crosses quite at the near post, I would say. So I don't know if the question is born out of that, but it is a good point. I, I don't know if it's um, out of style or out of intention um from, from the head coach I, I wouldn't say so because you have all you have sorry wallace and and even all brighton out wide and, and then the fullbacks the deliveries we're seeing they aren't all the same they're, they're varied we see looped crosses which obviously intended more to be attacked from deeper we see fizzed in whipped in ones that you're hoping someone more at the near post can can help on or turn goalwards so i i haven't seen it I could be wrong, and I, I, I absolutely take your point. And as I mentioned, it was 
it was re very relevant at Watford. But I've seen a, a variation of deliveries. Um, Johnny touched on DK's couple of goals, which were, were expertly taken, and that's what he's about as a big striker attacking those. Um, so hopefully we, we, we see it mixed up. And uh, but as, as, as I say, I take your question from, from what went on at Watford. Um, it's always good to have the variation, isn't it? And hopefully it'd be good to see Wallace back out wide being the um, the regular sort of ammunition for the for the striker, whoever whoever plays. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Right, final question. Baggy's 1879 is sort of uh, hedging his bets. He's got three questions in one, but two of them relate to the same thing. Um, he's talking about <laughs> Shemi Ajayi, so we'll finish on that one. Uh, changes needed to the start of 11 to arrest a slump. Um, I'm going to say what you thought. We've spoken about Malumbian for Chalabur. Wallace and Swift returning out wide. Um, what are your thoughts on Ajayi coming back in for Peters, which we've talked about. I'm not too sure about that. but And he said, Grant starting on the left as we are lacking goals from our front players. Now, that'll be an interesting, divisive mm. question for Albion fans, given Grant's sort of lack of playing time and et cetera. He's got five goals so far this season, despite his lack of games. Um, what do you think, Lewis? Is that a possibility, Grant backing on the left? Yeah, um, very interesting one to touch on that, isn't it? I, we mentioned the Ajayi situation and, and the change in eleven. In, in general, haven't we, this this pod. But Grant is an interesting shout. Not one I expected to hear, I must say. But wouldn't be the... I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised, but then wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world because he's still, as, as we say, still got five goals. I mean, barely featured, has he? Um, so clearly offers that... And, and we touched about it in previous pods, but not for a little while now. Obviously, when when his Swansea move broke down, either side of that deadline, and and how Grant still has a role to play this season. Now we've still still seen him come off the bench, haven't we? I think he came off the bench um, against Watford the other night, and possibly, and certainly another game since the uh, I think he came on at Blues. I think I'm right in saying since, since the deadline. Anyway, um, I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a bad call. We'll certainly see Dean Garner and Albrighton and. Wallace or Swift or maybe even Rogic play there before Grant, but yeah, I, I, I don't know from the start, but, and, and again, would you see Grant come on in the 55th or 60 minutes with so long to go? You'd think not, would you? Because he's not the first change that Corbran would turn to. He'd turn to Albrighton, he'd turn to Dean Garner, he'd turn to perhaps Rogic when he, when he returns to fitness. Um, Turn to Swift if he's if he's not starting. Turn to the striker that isn't starting. So Grant's not in that first group of changes that the, the head coach would think to, which automatically means he's only sort of get you think get 15 minutes at the max. So with that, can you imagine him being chucked straight into the starting eleven? It, it, that feels like a, a leap, really. It feels like a bit of an ask. But I could see that. I understand the question. I could see the merits in it because he, he's a. Yeah, he's a natural goal scorer, isn't he? There's a reason he top scored with all those goals last season and he's done it at previous clubs. He, he knows how to put the ball in the net. Um, <laughs> do, I, do I think we'll, we'll see it? Perhaps not, but um, it's certainly an option. And, you know, Corbrand sort of said when that Swansea loan broke down that um, he has no issue with Grant playing a role and calling on Grant. So so perhaps, perhaps it's a fair shout and perhaps Grant is the... Um, unorthodox team change that we never saw coming that could happen although I still sort of doubt it <laughs> we'll have to wait and see on that one Baggies fans as always thanks for your questions do get in touch um, do get in touch next time and get in touch with me on social media if you want to be part of our Baggies broadcast fan show it launched two weeks ago 
on on YouTube where we get Baggies fans on for a 20, 25 minute chat about two or three of the uh, the on-field issues from that week. We've got our next episode uh, this evening where I'll be joined by a couple of Albion fans and Albion podcaster Louis Bent is on this evening's uh, episode. So uh, if you want to get involved, have your say, get in touch with me, drop me a DM or or tweet me. Um, you know where to you know where to find my Twitter handle. Um, to be in with a shout of, uh, of having a chat on that. And as always, get your questions in next week. Really do appreciate them. Right, Lewis, finally, we'll wrap this up quickly. We've been going for a while now. Um, Middlesbrough, Saturday, big game. Michael Carrick's men come to uh, the Hawthorne. Similarities between him and Corbran really took over at similar times and have mm. sort of addressed slumps in two, two big championship clubs. Uh, this ties into a, another final, well, one of the questions we've had that I haven't read out. He said, is, the, is, is Saturday going to be a defining for the playoffs? Um, I don't think it is, uh, but three no. points would certainly go a long way to sort of alleviating any slight bit of pressure that's that's come in the, from this sort of one win in five. Yeah, I agree with you, Johnny. I wouldn't say defining, although needs to start a good run, as we've been talking about. Um, yeah, in, interesting parallels, Corbyn and Carrick, really, and look forward to, to putting this to Albion's boss tomorrow, actually. I, they, they took over at very similar times, as you say, and, and for months really certainly going into january their their progress was almost mirrored wasn't it it was almost game for game win for win they were doing as well as each other but while albion have suffered this this blip this slump bump in the road whichever one we're going to describe it as um borough credit to them and credit to carrick in his first job isn't it carrick first um head coach manager gig doing absolutely unbelievably they perhaps burnley aside they must be the form team in the 92. I, don't, I, I might be wrong. Check that. I can't think of anyone in the Premier League um, that would be doing any better uh, over over a you know over no, the series. It'd be interesting of, to see, wouldn't it? What, three four months. Um, yeah. Perhaps there's someone flying in leagues leagues one or two. I know Chef Wednesday are going brilliantly under Darren Moore, aren't they? Um, in League One, but uh, it's it, it's about as tough as the test can come at the moment. I mean, Borough swept Sheffield United away, didn't they, a couple of weeks ago? To really put the cat amongst the uh, the pigeons in the automatic race, so it, it, it's going to be a massive test, and it'll be a. Having said that, coming to the Hawthorns has been, sorry, excuse me, as, as big a test as as there have been certainly in this division of late. Albion have been nearly perfect; we're inches from a club record. So, despite the bump in the road, the home form has remained, and only a daft last-minute free kick that shouldn't have been conceded and should have been saved um, stopped Albion from continuing their winning run at home. Didn't, didn't it? We must remember that. So Albion should have a lot to be positive, confident and optimistic about hosting Borough, but but massive test. I, like you, don't think a draw is a bad result. I could quite see a draw, but Albion simply have to back that point up if it is a point in these next games, which are obviously much more winnable on paper. On the spot prediction... Score prediction? 1-1. One, one. One, one. On the fence. fence. Get off that fence. <laughs> uh, what, what, about been... yours? what about yours then? Ah, 3-1 three, three, Albion. 3-1 Albion, okay. Glass more than our full pal, you know me. Your blue and white speckies. Despite, I, despite my sort of, as Elias Burke from The Athletic says, I get angry and sweary, I'm very much half, <laughs> more than half, half glass. Ah, what... Last half kind of blow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy for Tri- us to say. Triple up on me words later on. But um, well, it has been a rocky road, as we've said at the top of the podcast. But in essence, it is a mini blip. And to make yourself feel better, you've just got to look back at how far 
Um, we've come under Carlos Corbrand in such a short period of time, but it's one win in five. Hopefully Albion can address that and a win on Saturday against Inform Borough. And we'll be saying blip, what blip. Thanks, as always, for listening, Baggies fans. We really appreciate your support on the Baggies broadcast. And until next time, from me and Coxie, boing, boing, 